0: I just really feel like this is, as I've said, it's going to be a, a, a morning of freedom. And um, it came out in worship, but just I wanted to start by by reading uh, a scripture from Galatians. I'm going to be reading a little bit out of Galatians and quite a bit out of Romans this morning. So if you've got your Bibles or your cell phone apps or whatever, um, yeah, we're going to be looking in, in Romans and, um, and Galatians. But in Galatians 5 verse 1, It says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Friends, there is a call to freedom for the sons and daughters of God to live in. And I just really felt such a, just a compassion as I was preparing for this morning, Um, just The compassion of the Father that wants to see you, his sons and daughters, me, walk in complete freedom. And what does freedom look like? Freedom looks like just having nothing clinging or holding on to you, just being in a complete beautiful place of being free and and full of joy. And it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It is possible we are standing in a place of freedom— I brought a prop today. Um, we are standing in a place of freedom, but it is possible to go back to a yoke of slavery. That's why we need to stand firm in that. And, you know, the world is looking for freedom, right? Wherever you go, there's books like, you know, Don't, uh, The Art of Not Giving a Beep. And it's all about just trying to find freedom in, like, just almost in selfishness. But the world is desperate for freedom, and so are the sons and daughters, desperate for freedom. Um, And we shouldn't be the ones that are still, it's good for the world to look for freedom, but as sons and daughters, we shouldn't be the ones that are still trying to find freedom when this incredible price has been paid for us at the cross. And so, um, yeah, this morning is a walk into freedom. Uh, 2 Peter 2 verse 19 says, for what overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. Whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. And the the New Living Version of that says, for a man is chained to anything that has power over him. Okay, so while I was away on holiday now, we all want to walk in freedom. We want to walk in deeper levels of freedom, right? Right? And while I was away on holiday, I was like asking that question, Lord: What is there anything in my life that has power over me? Is there anything that's uh, that's dominant, that's there, that just keeps whatever it might be, if it's fear or whatever it might be in your life? Is there anything in my life that overpowers me? And um, is there anything that I'm just putting up with, that you're just dealing with it and um, and allowing to be there and putting up? And um, while I was on holiday, I was on Facebook, and one of these uh, videos popped up, you know, uh, it was a prankster, and this guy, what he does for his pranks, just to get YouTube likes, I suppose, he goes up to people, and he knocks their drink, they're walking around, unsuspecting, with a drink in their hand, and he knocks the drink out of their hand, and then he waits for their reaction, and then, like, mostly, he has to bolt off because the people are indignant. You've just smacked my drink out of my hand. I paid good money for this thing. And they, even like small people, and he's quite a big guy, just take off after him because they like, this is mine drink. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come, I don't know if they caught him, what they do, but they're going to sort him out because they're indignant. This is their thing that they paid for. And he's just interfering in that. And anyway, so they take off after him. Um, I'll have you know, I, after watching about an hour of these stupid videos and looking that I'd wasted an hour, I promptly deleted Facebook off my phone for the rest of the holiday. And it's not back on yet, but um, because I'm like, oh my goodness, no. I don't want to, this is my restorative time. You know, I don't want to be like wasting an afternoon watching stupid videos of a guy smacking drinks out of someone's hand um, because they can be quite addictive for some very strange reason. Um, But friends, we are called to be free, you know, we are called to be free. What areas of your life are you saying, no, I'll have none of that. You're not going to, enemy, you're not going to come and smack what is rightfully mine out of my hands. And you know, you're not timid in that moment. You need to be indignant and take after that thing. That is rightfully yours. Friends, do you know the level of freedom that you have been brought into because of this beautiful salvation? You know, and I, I look around and I see sin having a field day with saints that still think they're sinners. They still think sin is a part of them. Sin is having a field day with, um, with saints, holy ones, that don't know how to discern the effects of sin in their lives. And so they just endure it. They put up with this thing that's just harassing them and think it's like something that we have to deal with, like it's part of life, um, that you have to deal, yeah, that it's a part of life and you just have to deal with this. And, you know, when I say sin, it's not just the obvious big things like uh, adultery and murder and all of those things that, you know, because we say those things and everyone here checks out, oh, yeah, that's not me. Um, it's It's the effects of sin. And so when I use the word sin this morning, it's not just like sin, it's the effects of sin that actually, and you know how you determine that? It's the thing that ends up making you feel really yuck inside. You just end up feeling heavy and joyless and, yeah, heavy, you know. And sometimes what we do is we just write that off to a bad day or a bad week. And then um, in those places, we find satisfaction or we try and, what um, causes you hurt, the effects of sin. And we try and find a numbing or a healing to that pain. And often we do it in ways that aren't unhealthy and that aren't um, in the Lord. Maybe, pe- you, maybe you drink. Maybe you watch something that's, uh, that's unhelpful. Maybe you eat. Whatever it is that you do to numb that pain when you've just had a bad interaction with someone for argument's sake and you just feel terrible about yourself and you just like, okay, it's a terrible day, I'm out. Those are the kind of things that I'm talking about. And friends, we can't give... Sin a foothold. Because I'm watching brothers and sisters going through a whirlpool of emotions up and down. You're doing great, then you're doing terrible. There's a whirlpool of emotions when the the devil's actually just having a field day with you um, because of the effects of, of sin in your life. And it doesn't look like what the Father has for you, this life of absolute freedom that He's called us into. You know, we read in Galatians 5 just what, the, the, what it is to live in the, in the flesh, in the, the self-life, and then what it means to live in the spirit. And as I said, sometimes we check out of those things because that starts, you know, uh, debauchery, sexual immorality, and all of these things. And it's, uh, you know, maybe those are things that you, you, you struggle with. Um, but sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, those are just like the hectic big ones. And so you check out. And what I really like about the message translation is that it just puts it in in everyday language. And so it just makes you think, oh, actually, yeah, maybe that is me. Maybe that area is me. So the way the message describes uh, the self-life as well as the the spirit life um, is just so wonderful. So I want to read from Galatians 5 verse 19. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyous grabs for happiness, trinket guards, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. And he says he can go on. There's many things that we can fill in the blanks there, right? Verses, life in the spirit. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely Doesn't that sound like a beautiful place to live in? But friends, the fruit of the Spirit is not a standard that needs to be achieved, right? When I achieve those things, when I'm in a place of serenity, everyone's looking for this. Freedom, serenity, peace, living in the moment. The whole world's looking for that. It's not something that you achieve and then I am a good Christian. Um, They are our inheritance, They belong to us. They are rightfully ours, these things, to walk in that place of serenity. Um, It's not something to be attained, but something for us as sons and daughters to delight in, in this place of absolute joyful freedom. And so my question to us today, to me, is like, what are you putting up with? What am I putting up with in our life? And, you know, the litmus test for that is how much joy, how much love, how much peace is in your life? right? And so if you're not feeling those things right now, there's no condemnation. There's an invitation to this beautiful salvation, this thing that's been bought for us, that is rightly yours. And we're not going to allow the devil to come and smack that thing out of your hand because you're going to take off, them. So those little sticky notes that we sent out earlier, um, I want you to... Just start writing now, and as I continue to speak, just as things pop to mind, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what are things in your life at the moment that are causing, to, robbing those things. It's robbing your joy. It's robbing peace. It's robbing like a sense of, of, of love and, um, and living in this place that the, the fruit of the Spirit um, speaks about in Galatians. So if you're like, mm, I don't know, I can't really think of anything, you liar. <laughs> or you Or you numb. And you need to actually check in with your heart. There are things that the world throws at us. In this life, you will have trouble. So don't think about, you know, as I said, the big sinful things. Think about those things that influence you, that you might be having a great day, and then suddenly you're not having such a great day. And sometimes, friends, if you're not aware of what's going on in your heart, you don't even know why. If you stop and ask that, why do I feel so yuck inside right now and you realize oh it was because of this interaction i had with this person and suddenly i felt insecure and and then you can bring that to the father and you can allow him to speak into that place of insecurity so just think about um son's catching up with us just think about those those things and i'd like you to write um write them down okay don't put your name down we don't want to see that but we're gonna have a funeral later right that's what this thing is for And so I really want you to write something down. Um, If you're feeling insecure, just write it in gobbledygook, whatever, you know, but we're going to come and we're going to bury that stuff later. So um, yeah, just as I continue to speak, um, just write something down, those things that are are robbing you at the moment. Friends, because today is a call to freedom, that we would live in that place of joy and peace and love. And how do we get there? And so... We're going to get there. I'm going to preach the gospel to you because that is the best thing in the world, and that's what's brought us freedom. But you need to know the extent of the freedom that you've been brought into because it is an extreme freedom. It's not just a a, a self help, get there slowly, slowly type of thing over time uh, kind of a freedom. It's an extreme freedom. And so, in order to do that, I'm going to do a little bit of a history lesson. And so I need two volunteers. I need an Adam and I need a Moses. Uh, what do you think? Do you think you'd be a good Adam, Dom? Eh? <laughs> Papa, don't you want to come and be Moses? Eh? <laughs> you need to grow, grow that beard out a bit more, though. Um, so can you, can you stand just sort of maybe just behind there, y'all by that speaker? Dad, can you stand? Um, sort of, yeah, maybe just just over here. <clears throat> so, you know, we all know that Adam, uh, sorry, sin came into the world through Adam, okay? So, sin, sin entered the world because of one man's sin, sin entered the world, and all men became sinful because of that. And so, um, and then, a little while later, Moses came, and God brought the law through Moses, okay? So sin entered there. There was sin between, uh, between Adam and Moses, and death reigned between Adam and Moses, okay? But sin was not counted against the people that lived in this part of the timeline. Yet death reigned, it says, okay? Then the law comes And people get, um, sin gets exposed for what it really is through the law. And from the law to the cross, um, sin is now counted against people and death still reigns. Okay. Then Jesus comes and he fulfills the law and he breaks the curse of sin. So from here on, on this side of the cross, Sin is no longer counted against us, like it wasn't counted against them there before before the law. As sons and daughters of God, sin has no hold on us. It's not counted against us, okay? However, death still reigns, but you cannot be held accountable for sin on this side of the cross. Okay, now you're probably getting a little bit um, nervous because it sounds quite extreme. And that's why the, the cross and the gospel is so offensive because it is extreme. And unless we embrace its extreme nature, sons and daughters keep on, on this side of the cross behaving like, they, like Jesus hasn't actually done the full work on the cross uh, for them. So before you... Um, you guys can go, thank you. Just keep... <laughs> Just keep that in your mind, though, because I might refer back to this now. But just before you think that's like, it is a, it's very extreme and like, I'm sure there's like a lot of questions going on for some of us. Let me read some scripture. In Romans 5, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted, where there is no law, okay? Because that might sound like, what do you mean it's not counted against them? Sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. So they still experienced the effects of sin and the death that sin brings. And then in Romans 4, David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, Okay, so not by what you do, but righteousness apart from works. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Blessed is that man. He's not, I will not count your sin against you. Friends, you need to let that sink in. He will not, let your, he will not count your sin against you. On this side of the cross, He will not count your sin against you. It's not like on this side of the cross, by sinning or not sinning, we're earning our salvation. It's incredibly powerful. I'm going to go to Romans um, Romans 6 now. I'm going to read quite a big, pa- a big portion there. So if you want to follow with me, I'm reading from the ESV, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? I mean, after a comment like that, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, because that's the deduction. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, okay, we were co-crucified with Jesus on the cross. We were buried with him and we were co-raised with him to sit with the Father at the right hand of God. That is our inheritance as sons and daughters. It's a done deal, once forever. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we might too walk in newness of life. Let sin therefore not reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Friends, sin has no dominion hold on us. It's got no accusation against us. It can accuse you. The enemy can come and accuse you of things, but it has no legal right. has been, uh, you've been You've died to it completely, right? So you might be saying then, okay, but you still sin, right? So can you still sin when you use that kind of language? And the answer is yes. You, have, you absolutely can still sin. Just why would you? Romans 6, verse 20, it says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to the language there free gift, eternal life. You can continue to sin on the side of the cross, and many do because they still think it's part of them. It's something that you have to wrestle with backwards and forwards your whole life. Until you are, are sanctified, and then maybe you'll be pleasing to God. No, you were pleasing to God the very moment that you were nailed to the cross with Jesus, the very moment you were buried with Him, and the very moment you were raised in Jesus and, and saved and presented completely pure before the Father. Because unless you were pu- completely pure, you would not be acceptable to the Father. That's why Jesus had to deal with something that we could never deal with on our own, He had to deal with sin. Yet to cancel its power over us. Even though you still will sin, it has no power over you. So you're free from that. The word talks that we are a new creation. You were made brand new. The operating system is different from what it was before. So why allow those things to stick to you? Um, friends, when you do, you experience the effects of death, okay? So as a believer, as one that's been made completely righteous and pure before the Father, you experience the effects of death on the other side of the cross. And that's the freedom that I'm saying, don't let the the devil come and smack that thing out of your hand. That is rightfully yours, this absolute freedom. Nothing can be held against you. Um... I want you to start thinking. Have you, if you, have you guys got stickies that you, of things that you've written there? Written down? You know, friends, because sin can stick to us. You know, I, I think things that used to be a part of us, like I've just wrote out some stickies here um, fear, let's see if these still stick, fear, uh, offense with others. Insecurity, you're not good enough, shame, unforgiveness, lack, what have I still got here? Numbness, depression, self hate, loneliness. All of these things were, it used to be something that you could not get rid of on your own. It was part of your operating system. Sin was part of you, okay? But when Jesus died on the cross and he absorbed you into, he took these things into, onto himself, fully onto himself. And then he took you into him. So I says we've been crucified with God. And he took all of these things. into his body, and he died so that we wouldn't have to put up with these things. These are not rightfully things that we have to deal with in our lives. And they went into, this, uh, into the grave with him, and they were destroyed once for all. Now, friends, we can, on the other side of this cross, allow these stickies to come onto us, you know. If I had to pull these out now, I should maybe do that. Um, And I had to let some of these things, you know, uh, fear, offense, uh, depression, we allow those things and they come and stick onto us. But they're actually just something that was stuck onto us. There's not something that's part of us anymore. And so what do you do when these things come on you? You smack it off. You're like, no that's not for me. Depression, no, that's not mine to hold. Loneliness, no, I've been welcomed into family. Fear, you know, a sense of lack, no, you're in a new covenant with new covenant promises that are extreme and extraordinary, and those are rightfully yours. And so when those things come for you, and you know that it's not part of you, you know, if you think like, Whatever some people are, have have addictions and it's just like oh it's just, I'm going to wrestle with this the rest of my days no no when you understand the extremity of the cross those things that it's not part of you it gives you legal permission to say no thank you and you get to say to that that demonic spirit of certain things get out of me you have no legal right here friends. Kirsty wanted me to share. I wasn't planning on doing it this morning, but it just feels like it's right. Um, my uh, Probably about 20 years ago, we had been married for maybe two years, hey, babe? And um, I suffered severely from depression. And, um, I mean, some days I wouldn't want to even... I wouldn't get out of bed. I mean, I don't think I would be here today, friends, if I hadn't been delivered from that, from that thing. And... Um, I got prayed for by just a, a lovely man in our apartment uh, in Ravonia, and um, just before we went away on a little trip, actually, and literally, I was delivered of something that was holding onto me. And if you guys have ever experienced depression, it's this heaviness that just like it's like it feels like it's part of you. It's just something that you can't you can't get rid of. And Friends, in a moment, I was delivered. He prayed for me, and he delivered me from a, it was a spirit on me. And one of the things he said to me is like, from here on, every time that thing wants to come and you want, you know, wants to overwhelm you, you just put your hand on where that heaviness was, and you say, you have no legal right on me. You are not welcome here, as and when it happens. You don't give that thing a foothold. Friends, we don't give... Uh, sin a foothold in our life, immediately the red flag, when you feel a bad emotion, you put your, your red flag up and you say, no, that's not for me. I get to walk in complete freedom. And, you know, after that, it was the most helpful thing because that, thing one, that feeling wanted to come back. And every time it would come, I'd say, no, in the name of Jesus, you have no legal right here. And you can do that as a son. You can do that as a daughter of God because you, this is who you've been made Right He knows your name as he knows Jesus' name, because you've been made one part of his family. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that, that um, yeah, just how to deal with things as they come at you, because otherwise, this thing comes at you again, and you're like, "Oh, I'm such a failure." And you put yourself back into the spiral of whatever it is that keeps you down, as opposed to this, like, "I haven't achieved the standard yet. There's no standard for you to achieve. The standard was achieved for you on your behalf. Free, outside of you, it's crazy good. And that's why the gospel is called good news. Because the thing that you could never deal with has been dealt with on your behalf. It's done and dusted and you are now free. And so you have the right to be liked and free and full of joy. Because you, have, you don't have a sinful nature anymore. It's been destroyed over you. So why go in sinning? Should we? No. We can will experience the effects of death and depression and anxiety and all of these things. But they are not what the Father wants us to walk in as His sons and daughters. And So we're going to go into a time now of of having a funeral. Uh, This might seem a bit cheesy to you, but I did this on holiday. um, Because, you know what, sometimes when we do something demonstrative, it actually, it's like, oh yes, there's closure to it. That's why... If you go to a funeral, it's so helpful to say goodbye because it's, just, it's not just saying goodbye. It's like, it's goodbye. There's, it's just, it's, it's tangible. There's a, um, it just it sinks in. I don't know how our brains work. That's the way the Lord made us. So I want to have a funeral today where we're going to take all of those things that are keeping you down in a place of lack of freedom and we're going to bury those things. And in your mind, you're going to remember that that thing is no, that is there. So when it comes back to you this afternoon, you're just going to flick it off with authority that you rightfully have in Jesus. Um, so don't you want to start coming and doing that? And I'll tell you, while you do that, I'm going to open this up. Um, I did that while we were on holiday. I was walking on the beach every morning and evening. I'd take about an hour's walk along the beach and pray and there's this one spot um, that is a little beach bar um, that only opens on the weekends there. So it's like these wooden tables um, on, the bar, on the beach and um, with like these like very basic re- reed, um, um, reeds on top to give a bit of shade. Um, and it's actually quite a nice little place that serves seafood on the weekends. But the name of the bar, it's a beach ball. It's called Grumpy's. <laughs> so the one morning I was walking, or I can't remember. I think it was the afternoon. I was walking past Grumpy's, and I was like, "You know what? This is a really good place to have a funeral." So I dug a little, I dug a little ditch in the in the beach sand, um, not a very big one. And I thought, "You know what? Jesus, um, just as I was contemplating this morning's preaching, then he's like I'm going to have my own little funeral here for myself." And so I dug a. Um, this little grave in the sand, and I buried her old grumpy Rob uh, in front of grumpies. And um, it's something I have to do every now and again, is to bury that thing and remind, no, Rob, you're not actually a grumpy old goat. You, you've got joy, and you can live in this place of freedom. And so, friends, even it was powerful for me, just that moment of saying, actually, Contemplating not just, oh, I'm going to try harder tomorrow. No, in that moment of saying, actually, that thing is buried. It's got no part of me. I'm burying Grumpy Rob, and we're going to leave that there, right? God. Friends, this isn't a thing. It's, it is life and death. This is a gospel of absolutes, not gray areas. It's an absolute gospel, and... You know, it, it might even sound arrogant, you know, for yourself, for me to stand here and say, I don't have a sinful nature. Oh, if you to say that out loud, you might be like, oh, that sounds arrogant. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 6, he says, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know, and my interpretation of what he goes into saying in verse 17 of Galatians 6 is that Paul had such an such a vivid uh, revelation in his mind of the fact that he was crucified with Christ on the cross. Not Jesus died for me uh, like it's a far off thing. That he was crucified with Jesus on the cross, which the word says that we were. He has such a strong revelation of that. He's so convinced of that that he goes off in Galatians 17 and he says, So from now on, let no one, no person, no angel, no demon, whatever, no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. That's the way I interpret that scripture. Like what other, did he get a tattoo? Did he, you know, I think he's meaning the, the, the nails of Jesus. He bears the marks of Jesus on his body. He's got such a strong conviction of that, that, he's, that that's what he's saying in the representation. I don't think he obviously physically didn't, physically didn't have it, but he's like, I bear my marks. It's no longer I that live but Christ that lives through me. He's got such a conviction of that and that we need to have that conviction so that we can live on the side of the cross. Otherwise, we live these whirlpool lives in lack of freedom. And so, friends, can can I ask the the worship team to come up and sing? And we're going to sing just such a beautiful song. And I want you to belt it out, Right? Because sometimes in these settings, you know, like, oh, everyone's hearing me sing, you know, it's not so so comfortable. But I want you to belt out we're gonna sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. Because nothing but the blood of Jesus can take your sin away. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can take your sadness away, can make you whole again. And friends, about about three weeks ago, I was walking in Parktown North here. And I was just singing this out. And it's just the revelation of this came to me. And I was just, as I was singing the song, I was making up my own words, <laughs> you know. And I want you to even make up your own words. Whatever your thing is that you buried there, you know, like what can take your anxiety away? And then shout out nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can take away your, your depression? What can take away your sickness? What can make you whole again? What can fill me with joy? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so sing with, sing with those words in mind. We're not just singing a little old school hymn. I know this is an old one. It's a powerful hymn. Sing with gusto, with conviction that nothing but that blood. And that's the thing that we get to boast in this morning. So friends, can we stand and can we sing? And as you sing, as I said, remember what you put in that box. Remember where that thing is buried. And let's just celebrate our Jesus, our wonderful Jesus, and what he's done for us. This is a glorious freedom, friends. It's a glorious freedom that we've been brought into.